At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that won't have a good podcast will have a great podcast. It's Sifpa. Welcome to Sifpop, streaming live most weekends are available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Catchphrase. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he's been turning heads by being the good guy. It's Andrew Armsby, ladies and gentlemen. Ahoy. Uh, Each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. He doesn't deserve a face like that. It's John Paula, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if that's an insult or not, but I'll take it. Thank you, fellas. Uh, Glad to be back. In the movie, it is definitely a compliment, and I mean it as so. Uh, Okay. so, So there you go. Uh, yeah, we are going to talk some Free Guy this week. We're going to talk some Beckett this week. We're going to have a good time reviewing movies, as we always do. Uh, we've got a best ever challenge coming your way as well. And uh, we're going to have a good time, guys. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to talk about a lot of this stuff. And so I guess I guess maybe we should get right into it. Let's. All right. Let's sure. T- let's talk a little bit about Free Guy. My name is Guy. Sunday should be warm and sunny, just a scattering of drive-bys. And I live in paradise. I've got a best friend. This is the greatest cup of coffee of all time. Oh, Mondays, am I right, Joe? You said it, Guy. Yeah. And I work at the bank. Everybody's out of the bank! I thought I had everything I needed. But then I met her. Everybody down on the ground. 
accept you. Me? It's just a... Oh, please, I have a goldfish. There is something inside you, guy. I don't want something inside me. They expected you to just follow the rules, but you are so much more than that. Put these on. Okay. Fine. I do. Oh, my God! A bank teller called Guy realizes he is a background character in an open-world video game called Free City that will soon go offline. Ryan Reynolds brings this to us uh, in his usual smarm and charm style. Um, what did you guys think about Free Guy? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Uh, Jonathan. I'll go. <laughs> Jonathan, why don't you start? My apologies. I, I really liked it, and I was surprised that I really liked it. Yeah. Andrew? Same boat. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with medium liked it. Uh, but I did. I had a really good time with this. It's a lot of fun. Um, Jonathan, why don't you go first? What are some of the things you, you really enjoyed about it? Yeah, I, I would say after I initially heard about the concept like two or three years ago, I was like, that sounds brilliant. Like inside a GTA-like world where mm-hmm. the characters are aware of it. It was such a cool concept. But then I sort of... Um, uh, kind, of, kind of came off that high over the last few weeks, especially during the Olympics, because I kept seeing commercials for this movie, and the previews didn't make it look clever. They made it look like really juvenile and dumb, and I was like, "Oh, okay." I've I've seen so many commercials for this, I'm now officially like not interested anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and of course, I wanted to see it for the for the show today, and then I was really pleasantly surprised at how much it surpassed my expectations, because that central conceit of like being inside the video game world is played for laughs and it's used really well as a backdrop, but the overlying story is so much deeper and more emotionally powerful than I ever expected it to even go in directions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, some of the directions it took and some of the characters in this were way more involved and way more interesting than I, I definitely understood from the, the short commercials I saw. So it was, I think a lot of it was, yeah, I went in with low expectations and was very pleasantly surprised. Andrew, what about you? You know what this movie reminds me of? And it, not not tonally, but comedically, it reminds me of the Lego movie, mm, you know, mm-hmm. of yeah. this artificial world, and uh, there are those who, are very few are privy to knowing what the actual world is, and that, just like in the Lego movie, uh, secretly there's actually a lot of heart and... Uh, uh, moral conundrums that I just wasn't ready for. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, okay, so we're actually going to be talking about some stuff in this movie. Okay, yeah. And um, the things that it was talking about, you know, life and uh, what constitutes life, it, it was really fascinating, and it's something I wasn't expecting from this. I was just expecting uh, a goofy uh, GTA character uh you know, gaining consciousness, you know, that's what I was expecting, but I got a lot more than that. So kudos for the extra effort put into this. I totally agree. Um, I, you know me, I'm a sucker for themes in message and I was so happy to see the SIM. I was so happy to see that this movie did go that extra mile to go, no, we're saying something, we're asking some big questions, and we have opinions on, you know, uh, what makes free free will valuable. Why is free will yeah. valuable? And, it, and, it, and, the, and the concept of, like, is existence real if you know it isn't? And, it's like, some deep, really heady stuff right. they get into. And I kind of liked their answer. I kind of liked the way they tackled those yeah. those really, like, phil- philosophical existential questions and yeah andrew i completely agree the lego movie is a great analog it had that like 
whimsical, like really happy-go-lucky, bubbly sort of uh, layer on the outside. But like when you kind of yeah. d- dig down and lick into that Tootsie Pop, it well, like there was something inside that was like way more emotionally um, interesting than just the surface level like video game stuff. Yeah, you yeah. get you you not only get the the beauty and charm and fun of Ryan Reynolds, which you know is just this wonderful, amazing thing. But you actually get a, something a little bit deeper too, um, which I did. I I really appreciated. Yeah. I should also say that I loved the the willingness of this movie to really embrace its silliness. You know, you talk about Lego Movie, and maybe that's that's similar here, but and not just silly for silly's sake, but silly in a way that contributed to the world building that really felt like it made sense with what was going on in the movie. Um, it played with its concept in such fun ways. In fact, that's probably you, the word I would tell you. Can you give us an example? Yeah. An example no. of like playing with its silliness? I'm trying to think of specific beats. Um, get it, uh, well, I, I'm not sure what's... <laughs> I, Sorry to put you on the spot. No, 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 no. I have examples. I'm just trying to decide if it's spoilery to give away like funny mm. moments, those mm-hmm. kind of things. Like because those are yeah. those are part of the fun uh, of the play. I will say this: uh, one is very. Uh, let me mention this one that is very, very spoilery, and I would hate to ruin for you, uh, so I won't give a specific. But just to say that the movie is willing to treat its Easter eggs as like in plain sight. Like, you know, like it's not like there are a couple moments this movie's like doing things that would normally be an Easter eggy kind of thing to do, but it like puts it front and center mm-hmm. in a way that's really clever and funny. And like our place, like our theater, it kind of exploded a couple times in this movie because of its willingness to be like I, like I have that. a suspicion as to which moments you're yes, referring to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's, you know, to be able to do stuff like that is, I think, really clever and really fun. And, um, yeah, and and I I enjoy that about about this movie. So I did. I had a fun is the key word. Like if I were telling you, oh yeah, yeah. you know why you would want to see this movie or what would be exciting about seeing this movie, I would say because you're going to have a blast, and you know yeah. it's really fun. So yeah, uh, obviously the the huge charm that comes with any Ryan Reynolds performance is something that you know you just most people delight in seeing, and I like seeing him as this whimsical youth like I, I think the I think the word is um earnest. He wasn't sarcastic here. He was actually like earnest. And there, there was a, a, a childlike moments, quality yeah. to him that I, I appreciated that he doesn't usually have in his performances where he wasn't yeah. sarcastic and ironic. He was like actually sort of this wholesome yeah. child yeah. almost. There were a few moments where I'm like, oh that's Deadpool. But for a majority of the movie, I'm like, oh okay, so he's uh, I keep going back to Lego Movie, but there's <coughs> Emmett, you know, Chris Pratt's character from, uh, you know, Lego Movie. You know, just the uh, happy-go-lucky, I'm going to repeat my day every day because everything is awesome, you know? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. there's there's almost an identical joke that runs through the first act of this film. The, the Every day is exactly the same, and that's great. Why yeah. change anything? Yeah. yeah. there There's a beat, like, halfway through the movie where something interesting is happening to some other character, and the camera just kind of holds on a close-up of Ryan's face, and he has this goofy, goofy grin of satisfaction, like, wow, this is so neat. And there's that, like, boyish, like, leave-it-to-beaver whimsy in his eye, like, I'm seeing something that is so different from my... And Mm -hmm. his just... 
that wide-mouthed, goofy grin of his, that alone, and on the extended close-up really hangs for a few beats too extra to really drive home. Like, he is seeing the world for the first time, and isn't that wonderful? Yeah, there's good I love that. Those little, those little beats I kind of really loved. Yeah. And, and they, and they yeah. drove that home a couple times. I know the answer for one of you. <laughs> Have either of you played uh, any of the GTA games before? Oh yeah, I platinum GTA Five in three months, and nice. Uh, nice. one of my, if not my all-time favorite game. When you just talk about like the breadth of what you can do and how many hours I've logged, oh, absolutely love yeah. that game. It is yeah phenomenal. GTA. It was very much seeing you know the uh, the nods and the homages to GTA Five, but it wasn't afraid to be its own thing as well oh yeah there like was definitely there were, a lot of a lot there was a lot of beats a lot of visual elements and graphics bank ice and, and, stuff and like that. there was yeah definitely they borrowed heavily from sort of gta online and that player verse and then they incorporated yeah. people on twitch and famous youtubers and other people that were yeah. streaming the game live so they didn't only capture the game they captured game culture i thought reasonably faithfully in a way that both nerds and people that watch twitch regularly and those who might not have any exposure to that world can kind of understand, okay, this this guy's like a commentator. He's important in this yeah. space, and he's giving us context for why what we're watching in the game is important. Um, and that helped a yeah. lot, I think, because there's moments in this where it has a lot of importance and it feels exciting. But then when you recontextualize it with other people watching it happen, it's like, oh, okay. This is cl- like this yeah, is they- a movement. People are really getting into it, and I, I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Yeah, you can tell that they definitely put in the extra effort to fully realize what it means for modern gaming that people don't just play games nowadays. People watch games yeah, nowadays, right? too. Yeah. So, yeah, they they really, you know, went all in to encompass everything that is modern gaming. And uh, it helps make this whole movie seem more realistic. And I think it's going to give this movie legs for rewatchability. And uh, maybe created some IP for Disney as if Disney needs any more IP. They uh, Ryan Ren- Reynolds was already talking today that uh, Disney is looking into making a sequel already. And, you know, I thought you were going to say they were looking movie? into making a game from it and actually back, you know, uh, reverse engineer the oh, movie into an actual game. No. I wouldn't is be surprised. Is this a, a Disney movie? Yes. Yes. Well, originally it was a Fox property, and um, and now it is a Disney property. It, yes. And it stuck around in limbo for so long. Uh, they filmed this thing over two and a half years ago, like spring mm-hmm. of 2019. Um, I know oh, because wow, I looked is... up I looked up some old tweets and location info because uh, you guys might not have noticed this, but almost all of this film was shot around my neck of the woods outside of Boston. Financial District, uh, where I went to college in downtown Boston – and a good deal of the climax is filmed. I don't want to give anything away, uh, but it's filmed on a beach. And that beach is directly across from where I grew up, my hometown. Oh, interesting. And the, and the whole time, uh, there's the, the moment at the end where Ryan is trying to go from the beach somewhere else. That somewhere else, if it existed in this movie, would be my house. And that was very exciting to me to yeah. see that. Like, hey, I know that beach. I go over there all the time. 
Uh, I am actually shocked to find out that this is a PG-13 movie. I thought this was a rated R movie. They, I, I actually noticed they, they dropped a couple SHITs and none of the F-bombs. So. Well, there was well, one I'm F-bomb, right? About, you know, I, thought there, I think you're allowed, you're allowed one. Right, yeah. No, no, no. Allowed one. There was one very well-placed yeah. Uh, yeah, F-bomb uh, in the movie. But yeah, it was PG-13. I think it was just, you know, like whenever you... Th- I, I guess my mentality right now is GTA, if it was ever a movie or an HBO series, would definitely be an R-rated version of that. So maybe that's where like that, my It kind of exists mental- with Falling Down. The Michael Douglas film... Falling down. That is definitely like a GTA before GTA. If you if you want to know yeah. what GTA feels like in real life, oh, Michael Douglas. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, yeah. and that's definitely radar. That's, <laughs> that is definitely that's a. That's what a, if I what if I went yeah. on a murderous rampage through downtown LA and just didn't care about the consequences? That's a video yeah, that's game. A, that's a movie for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, I haven't mentioned. Uh, we haven't mentioned. I should say a couple names. So let's uh, let's talk about them. Sure, yeah. uh, Jodie Comer. Oh, yeah. I think first of all is worth uh, talking about for her role as uh, Molotov Girl. I think is the uh, the actual yeah. casting. Her, her Molotov Girl in Millie. In Millie, um, I love Jodie Comer. Uh, you know, I, I, this is the first time I've ever heard or seen her, and she was phenomenal. She is, and I, and I genuinely thought it was two different actresses at first. I wasn't even sure if it was the same girl. I was. Like so convinced by the, the differences in her performance and the accents as well that I, I didn't actually well, – I wasn't certain it was the same girl. I thought it might have just been someone yeah. who looks like her. She's been I've doing, never seen Killing Eve. Yes, so. I have. I watched the first couple seasons of Killing Eve. She's incredible in that and 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 does a lot of that um, you know accent change, character change stuff in kind of the spy craft she does in that movie. So uh, So it didn't surprise me that she had that in her. Um, but man, I really liked her in this movie. I thought she, she did a great job. She was able to play off of Ryan Reynolds well. Um, so I, I really appreciated her. The other one I think we have to mention is Joe Keery. Um, oh, he's fantastic. I love this kid. You he's may so know from, uh, Stranger Things, right? The kid with yeah. the, he just has the best hair. I am the so hair. envious of his hair. <laughs> it is just this big swoopy pompadour looking thing. Uh-huh. I am so envious of how uh, big yeah. and voluminous yeah. his hair is. And he's great. Well, just, there's something about yeah. there's something accessible about his performance in this that again, if you don't have any experience with like the gamer world, there's something about the way he acts and he brings sort of that enthusiasm and the, like a nervous energy to it mm-hmm. that's very authentic, I think. And there's there's sort of a, a a subplot romance that he plays really well as well. Yeah. And and I think he 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 sells it with just a couple looks and just a couple lines of dialogue. It's not like a front and center romance, but uh, just his little performance nuances, I think, make that really effective. Yeah. What did you guys think of uh, Taika as the villain? Uh, I didn't like it. Um, he, was, it he was over the top at times, it, but in a bad way. He's funny. I mean, the, this yeah, movie I, yeah. is, is over the top in many ways, but I, the Taika performance There's, for there me was There has to be part off. of it gra- grounded in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. I, he, I felt, was, he felt a little too like mustache twirling cartoon villain yeah i and i just didn't buy it like i didn't buy it either like i i had a hard time buying that character for whatever reason and um yeah i for me there are two main reasons i come away from this not being able to go i love this movie because obviously i had a great time and it was a lot of fun um but it was one of those things i come away from going uh you know, there's enough of a, a negative thing to it that brings it down for me. One of those is Taika. I every time he was on screen, he kind of took me out of the movie a little bit. Um, it, I, I know he was trying. I know he was trying to embrace the tone of the movie, 
I just I couldn't I couldn't quite. I'm, buy no, into I'm in, it. I'm inclined to agree. I don't I don't think that's unfair to say at all. The other one is man, this movie does fall into cliche quite a bit, which is interesting for a movie like this because it is so different, so fun, so unique. But especially on the, I wasn't expecting it to be so much of a rom com, which is fine. I love rom coms, but the rom com stuff in here is even though it's a little different, like it has a unique spin on some of the typical things we we've seen. The plot. Uh, is very typical, especially resolution-wise and those kind of things, enough that I was like, I'm not sure this is where I needed this movie to go. And that's, yeah. a, me, that's a me thing. That doesn't necessarily mean everybody's going to feel that way. And and honestly, at the end of the day, I had so much fun that it's it doesn't really uh, impact it in a way where I'm like, oh, I didn't like it. Obviously, I said I liked it, and I do. Um, I really enjoyed myself. But it was enough that I was like, well... It's hard for me to love this movie because at the end of the day, it, it pretty much just kind of paint, paints the numbers, you know, at the end. So, um, yeah, uh, it, the ending of this movie is tied up too nicely for me, you know, yeah. for as much insanity that happens in this movie for it to, for it's in the way it, it does. The, like like the, ah. the final shot almost feels like a, a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> the the yeah. final sort of sequence. Um, and it, yeah, it feels like uh, like pulled it from a different genre altogether. Um, yeah. I mean, it does work, but it also feels like I, I guess this is how you're going to end it. Okay, um, yeah, contextually, it makes sense. Oh, it absolutely but at the same works. Time, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's in honestly from. I get what like, you're saying. I do. I do get what you're saying. Weird to say this kind of stuff because there's an elitism to it, and I totally get that. But for the majority of the audience, that's gonna that'll that you know you eat that stuff up. You know, it's just like this is. This is how I want it to end. This is, you know, um, but when you see a lot of movies, you have that craving for something different. You know, show me something yeah. that doesn't have to be this kind of storybook, whatever, um, especially because the rest of the movie conceptually is so interesting and, and fun and unique. So, yeah. Yeah. So those were my my main negatives. Now, now when you say a lot of movies, does 400 through August 15th count? <laughs> i watched yes. i watched movie i watched movie 400 this morning oh nice so, very nice of the year of the year which i think is probably too many <laughs> um i i have just been using letterboxd uh you know well enough to to know this uh just this year right like i think i started in like november december last year really kind of getting into using yeah, yeah. letterboxd um, but yeah, I think I'm right um, around 350, something like that for the year. Oh, I, I know I'm, I'm in a couple of letterbox, uh, like Facebook groups and I know that my numbers pale in comparison to some of these people watch six, seven movies a day and it's yeah. like, I'm, you clearly don't have children <laughs> or a job and I envy you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I think, I think for most audiences, that's like a really sweet moment to end the film on, but there's also like, oh my gosh, I've seen this a hundred times. There's definitely yeah. like a, sort of a resigned, like, all right. Okay. Okay. Movie. Uh, have we seen, um, I think I've seen Utkarsh, uh, Ambudkar before, um, who was the friend in this. Yeah. I think he is also in this, what's the singing show? Z- um, is it Zoe? Um, not, not Glee. I don't, I don't know what you're No, to. the one, the musical that's on right now, it's just slipping my brain. Schmegadoon? <laughs> okay, not that's that. A, music, that's a, that's a, not that musical show that's on right now. Um, but yes, uh, I am watching Schmegadoon. Special? No, isn't it? Uh, is, never have I ever. <laughs> no, uh, the Blind one spotting. The one where she hears the music in uh, in her head. 
somebody he was in, in Pitch the, Perfect. Does somebody, that count? No. Somebody, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it took me that long. <laughs> Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Uh, I think he is in that as one of her coworkers, and he's great in that. And it was kind of fun to see him pop up here. I, I like his energy and his sense of humor. Um, Game but I, over, man. No, no, no. I already got there. I already got there. Andrew. The Mindy Project. <laughs> Uh, Jeffrey and the Dumbass. I was barbershop. Gl- I was glad to see him in this, but at the same time, that is another character in this—not a performance, but another character in this—that feels a little off to me because it's so all over the place, uh, ethically, morally, that I'm not sure what I'm supposed to think about that. I, I was genuinely confused halfway through where he starts helping the, the bad guy, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Wait a minute! I thought you were friends with our one of our heroes. Like what?" I was kind of confused, and then he kind of switches back, and I was like, "Is this supposed to be like a meaningful like turncoat moment?" Because I'm not actually sure if you ever really were working for this side or that side. So the allegiances yeah. of his character were, uh, to me, maybe undermotivated, and that and led confusing. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, it's not not to the point where I like cared so much. Like this movie's terrible. I don't understand it. It's like, huh? Okay, I guess I guess this guy is playing this side now. All right. Yeah, I think what happened was they used that character early on for a pretty funny comedic bit, and then as the movie progressed, they're like, "Oh wait, yeah, we still have this guy, and he we accidentally wrote him to be like a meaningful part." Yeah, he's kind of, of integral to the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's integral now, so how do we? I guess we're just gonna have him do some stuff at the end. Uh, but yeah, it was. I'm with you guys. It was interesting, and it wasn't you know, definitive where he landed. But uh, for as far as comedic bits go, yeah, he, he served that purpose well. I think we're... Sp- if I had... Um, my instinct says we're supposed to feel like he is a um, a leaf on the wind. That, like that he is somebody that's just going to follow where the power is. And to me, that's a negative quality. Like, you know, I, I like, you know, principle and standing, you know, for something, those kind of things. But maybe that's just supposed to be part of the comedy of his character is that, you know, he he has no moral allegiance to anything. He's just, you know, out for himself. And um, again, for me, that makes it morally confusing. Maybe for some that makes it funnier. I don't know. Um, but I think that would be my instinct is that that character is supposed to kind of be portrayed like that. Um Man, I think we had a good time. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to to talk about with uh, Free Guy? Without no post credit scene, no post credit scene. I did stick around and find out the hard way. Um, I will say there were a number of voice only cameos that if you, if you, if you spot them, they're fantastic, and you can kind of be like, oh, I know why he's I know why he did this. This is he's doing a favor for Ryan here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're actually listed in the credits. I thought for sure they would just be uncredited because um, it's it's sort of a um, not not a blink and you miss it because it's voice only. But if you close your ears, you might miss it. They're all kind of quick 30-second voice only. Uh, and there's three or four of them throughout the movie, uh, yeah. which I thought was kind of fun. And a couple. And they're, they're, like, they're like bank robber number two or guy in the alley or mm-hmm. something yeah, like that, right. you know? There are also a couple that are on screen as well that are uh, fun yeah. little quick cameos that we're not going to spoil for you here. One one is a fairly large role in the movie. Um, so uh yeah. so yeah I, I'll say fun. that there's one at the end or near the end that 
had me rolling. I'll just say that. Yeah, and that probably goes it, along it, with the Easter egg conversation I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely that kind of movie. So and when, when everything's under the same corporate umbrella, you can play with IP left and right, and it's fun. sometimes sometimes the results are really really fun, mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily feel like fan service for a quick joke. They actually kind of service the moment in a way that feels legitimate. And I think uh, that particular moment was yeah, well-received in my crowd for sure. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, my one last thing would probably be uh, that I love the title of this movie. Uh, I love a good movie title and, you know, the idea of free guy being a thing like you get in a video game. Hey, I got a free guy. And also the idea of what is, you know, free will and what's it mean to be a free guy. Um, yeah, I really like it. So there you go. And his name is Guy. What? It works on three levels. Maybe even more. Who knows? What Uh, a triple threat. Uh, all right. Let's move into the next, uh, review. Let's talk a little bit about Beckett. No one knows where we are. It's really just the two of us. There was an accident with the car. Where's my girlfriend, April? There were people in the house. Even Nobody has uh, lived there for years. I saw someone. Whilst vacationing in Greece, Beckett becomes the target of a manhunt after a devastating car accident forces him to run for his life across the country to clear his name. But tensions escalate as the authorities close in and political unrest mounts, which makes Beckett fall even deeper into a dangerous web of conspiracy. Uh, You have got John David Washington at the center of this one with Alicia Vikander in there as well. Boyd uh, Holbrook coming in um, in this one. Uh, Vicky Creeps. Um, what did you guys think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew, what do you think? Low side of okay. Low side of okay. Jonathan? Uh, maybe high side of okay. High side of okay. And I'm going to go with right down the middle of okay. We've got okay <laughs> covered, guys. We are okay yeah. go. Um, so yeah, I think we all think, uh, had mixed feelings on this. It sounds like, and John, it sounds like you liked it the most high side of, okay. So you get to start. What are some of your thoughts on, uh, on Beckett? Yeah, I, 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 uh, I think like most Netflix films, it's so fun maybe not fun, but it's, it's a serviceable, entertaining and enjoyable two hour experience. But it's also the kind of experience you forget, like a month from now. You're not going to remember much about this movie. That's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing. Right. But it's not going to uh, uh, break the bank. It's not going to shake things up. It's not going to do a lot of things you haven't seen before. And I think my first immediate takeaway going into this movie cold, I wasn't sure if it was a thriller or even a horror movie or an action movie. Uh, I, I got that vibe kind of early on. Okay, I kind of see where this is going. And then very quickly it was obvious this is borrowing from two separate Harrison Ford movies uh, pretty yeah. liberally. Uh, Frantic. The Roman Polanski thriller from 88 and, and uh, 93's uh, The Fugitive. There are elements of both the, yeah. of those. Uh, but especially Frantic, where you're in a stranger in a strange land, you don't know the language, and you're trying to uncover a crime, and you can't even communicate correctly. And there's a lot of that in this. Uh, and, it, and it leads to some really good tense moments where you are just as much out of the loop as John David is. Like, you don't know, mm-hmm. can he trust this guy? I'm getting a weird vibe. Get out of the car. This isn't right. I don't like it. And the movie definitely rewards you 
both both positively and negatively with those intuitions. Like, are, are these people able to be trusted? I guess we'll find out in a few minutes. And the whole movie, you're kind of going through that with that low-level anxiety. You're along with him for the ride. Can he get out of this? What would I do in this situation? If I'm in Greece, I don't know the language, and people are hunting and trying to kill me and accusing me of murder, how do I clear my name if I don't think I can actually trust the authorities? Like, there's, there's a lot of great sort of uh, strategy in this movie, in the plot. And the way it unfolds, seemingly almost in real time, it takes place over the course of, I think, just a day or two. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt really exciting, and I love the way it just sort of was one continuous chase sequence, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also felt so familiar, and there wasn't a lot of it that did anything new or kind of broke outside of its sort of modestly budgeted affair. There was some excitement, I think, very late, but most of it's just like one or two people in a, in a room kind of a, a setup. Uh, but yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think uh, since I'm next down the uh, the okay spectrum, um, I I... I had <laughs> flashes of other more brilliant movies, right? And you yes. mentioned the Harrison Ford ones. Those actually didn't come to mind, although I absolutely okay. agree with what you're saying. Uh, the Man Who Knew Too Much came to mind prominently yeah, for, for sure. me. De- definitely, um, I definitely said to my wife, this feels like a Hitchcock moment. Hitchcock, yeah. There were moments of flashes of Hitchcockian idea of yeah. you know, person who doesn't deserve it finds themselves in peril and how Mistaken are they going identity to Mistaken identity kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, which sure. North by Northwest is all mistaken mm-hmm. identity kind of stuff, you know, like, so yeah, there's very much a Hitchcock feel to it. There are flashes of, I just watched recently, um, and this, uh, I'm not sure how many people have seen uh, Midnight Express, I think is is the movie. Yes. Yeah. There's the one where the guy gets arrested in Turkey, right? Mm-hmm. For, yeah. for smuggling and, drugs and or anything. Yeah, is it safe? <laughs> that's uh, that's more of a prison movie than this is, but it's it yeah. kind of had that same feel of in a you know in the wrong place at the wrong time in a stranger foreign in land. a strange land, yeah, stranger yeah. in a strange land kind of thing. And so I'm getting these flashes of of great movies, and I think that's to the to this movie's credit that it's able to bring you into those places. It's obviously cribbing from some very great stuff, and I think that yeah. that makes the movie better. In many ways, but I think you're right, John. I think after at the end of the day, there's it's not doing enough of first of all of its own new stuff. And was there a single moment in this that stood out to you as like that was fresh? That was you. I've never seen that. Before. Right. Um, no. And, and my takeaway from any movie is always if if there's something in this movie that I've never seen anyone else do, whether it's a, a different take on a stunt or a character moment or some type of emoting that I haven't seen someone display that emotion before, like that. And I don't know if there was a single beat of this that felt totally unique. And that's tough to do. I mean, cinema's been around a long time and pretty much everything's been covered at some point. Yeah. But every now and then you'll see a movie like, wow, I've never really seen it done that way. And this movie doesn't have that. It doesn't. And it also is occasionally boring. It, it occasionally loses its way. And that's hard in a movie like this. Because if you can't maintain the edge of your seat uh, front to end kind of thing... Uh, for a movie like this, you are going to lose the audience, and it lost me a couple times. Um, and there's definitely a lot of John David like uh, scrambling over rocks in the country. Right, right. There's yeah. a lot of that. Yeah. Maybe too much. After I the first act, it's like I get much. it. I get it. He can climb over rocks. We've seen it a few times. Let's just keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it inside for the rest of the film. Definitely too much. And the, and the final thing that just lands me right in the middle of okay, um, again, because I did appreciate a lot of the artistic choices, a lot of, you know, there are solid moments in this movie. And I do think John David Washington is fun to watch and a compelling actor. Um, 
But the other thing is it, it also finds itself into realism problems. And in a movie like this where you're trying to feel authentic and feel real, it pulls some stunts that are just so unreal that I'm just like, now we're in fast and we're heading towards a little bit fast and furious. I, I, I think and there's a moment in a parking garage. Is yeah, that what you're referring to? Yeah, in, okay, in a yeah, that was. Ways, but that one, I definitely was. remember thinking, "What in this is? You're not Vin Diesel." <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? No, they they pulled it straight out of the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyhow, yeah, that too. That was, too. Um. So yeah. So there's some of my thoughts, Andrew. What about you? Do you feel pretty much the same way? You liked it a little less than us. You were on the low side of okay. Yeah, I think that this movie relies so much on how good of an actor John David Washington is that for me, I've seen this movie told in different settings so many different times. Who, who can you trust? Oh, the corruption goes all the way to the top. You know, I mean, it's just like, ugh. I mean, like, it, it I felt, knew it, it, every it, single story bit before it happened. You know, yeah. it's in, in some respects, it definitely felt like a horror movie where you like you run out of the woods panting and it's like, I'm so glad you're here to help me. Can you please give me a ride? And then the guy's like, sure, get in. And then he pulls out a gun or a hook or whatever. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, oh, great. You you tr- you got into the one wrong car that also wants to kill you. This movie yeah. had a couple beats like that. I'm like, oh, come on. This guy, too. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think John is enough of a, a good enough of an actor, certainly taken after his dad, that uh, he makes a lot of that work though. Like the anxiety and, and the nervousness and the hesitation he has, you see that a lot. Where mm-hmm. he's, he, yeah, you can tell he's not sure, and it's like, well, if he's not sure, then I'm definitely not sure. Yeah, it's one of those things where I watch this movie and I'm like, man, your performance is so good and so believable, but the world that you're performing in is just so close to being real. But it's like to pull from a different, you know, type of, you know, saying it's uncanny valley as far as like how this world feels like it's so close to feeling like the real world, but it's not quite there because the corruption and like the ridiculousness of everything that's happening to him. Like you're performing for a movie that is more real than the world you're living in. And it's, it's shown in the other actors in this movie, uh, like Boyd Hall, Hallbrook and, uh, and people like that. You're like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, you can, as soon as you see certain people, you know exactly because this movie paints an aura around characters you know are eventually going to be the villains. It's like they don't even bother trying to hide the secret, like, oh, guess who else is, you know, corrupt, or guess who else is evil, and I'm just like, yeah, if you would have done a better job of hiding some of that stuff, and you hadn't made it so painfully obvious, I may have been, you know, intrigued or excited or shocked whenever, you know, the reveal came, but whenever you just do character after character after character you it's like a a fool me once but they go all the way to fool me 15 you know it's like i i I, think you brought up a good point this is the type of movie that really could have benefited from like a great third act twist and i guess it's a spoiler to say there is no big third act twist it's just okay this is just progressively awful for this character and there's there's not any like underlying hook that kind of like explains everything it's just now you just bad luck straight through yeah, I also mo- don't understand. Oh, go ahead, Aaron. No, I was just, I just to to bounce off that. I the movie does not do a great job at completing its thoughts. You know, the movie yeah. the movie has thoughts and then leaves them incomplete. Uh, there, this movie, uh, you know, 
brings in the family of you know his his wife and then doesn't complete that thought that doesn't really have yeah. much to do with anything it brings in a um you know a member of the uh consulate that you know just kind of goes no like it's just the movie just has a few moments where it's like oh this could be a thing but we're just not interested in in making it a thing so yeah the first 20 minutes of this movie would have been a far more interesting movie i think i enjoyed the first 20 minutes i enjoyed the setup that's what i'm saying yeah yeah but it's like once they they change it into where it's a different movie after that i'm like Oh, I kind of miss where the other movie was going, but okay. Also, I don't understand the motivation behind John David Washington's character Beckett, because like he and I know I'm going to be on the minority on this one, but he goes without getting into too much of a spoiler-ishness. But he goes from a man trying to survive to a man trying to expose the corruption. And everything like that, and he goes yeah, and, and for, he he tried there's, there's quickly. There's like an unearned relationship at the end that's supposed to be this meaningful payoff. Yeah, and it's like he doesn't have a relationship with this. No, character. he doesn't. Like, why do we? We haven't even met him before. Why do we care? Like this is so yeah, that that's was a little exactly. frustrating. That like this could have landed with a lot of uh, emphasis, and it was yeah. it was more confusion and like derision from from me. It was like, oh, really? Okay, and that's correct me if I'm wrong. But after something happens towards the end of this movie, the dedication to helping said character is pointless at that time, besides the general act of well-being for somebody. but No, I think you're right. I think you're completely correct. Yeah. 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 Yep. Well, also, also, apparently you can't <laughs> kill him, no matter how much you hurt him. Yeah, he really yeah. gets he really gets the crap kicked out of him in this film. Yeah, there's like 15 times where I'm like, oh, you should have died. Yeah, Den- Denzel oh, you should have died. Shot, stabbed, shot, falls down a couple hills, stabbed yeah. again, shot again. It's yeah. so it's it's honestly kind of humorous by the end did, of the film. He's did just, you just call him yeah. Denzel, or did I mishear no, I, that? I think I said Denzel's kid. Oh, okay, all right. At least I meant uh, to. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just I I see flashes of his dad in him sometimes, and so oh, for it, w- sure. it wouldn't have it wouldn't have surprised me. I hear uh, it a lot too. There's a couple yeah. times his his voice inflects down a little bit, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. like, oh, that's 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 your dad. I can hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that kind of stuff's fun. Uh, yeah, I think the uh, the there's even the political kind of thing that's going on the MacGuffin, the political that MacGuffin. Felt lazy. Is so lazy and again an unfinished thought. Like there's nothing, there's nothing about that MacGuffin that really ties in thematically or message-wise to anybody's motivations or, you know, I shouldn't say anybody's. Obviously, there are obviously the main motivations of the villains have something to do with that MacGuffin, and you know some of the the people that are involved um, on the other side of that that battle that we don't aren't really invested in or really know uh, a lot about. So um, yeah, so yeah. Yeah, it just felt incomplete. It just feels like it, it just it's just an incomplete movie that has flashes of of compelling stuff in it and uh I I think this probably could have used one more, you know, read through on the script to tighten up some things and yeah. Yeah. chop yeah. corners here and there. It's it's just shy of 2 hours. Uh, I guess with without credits it's maybe 145. And I feel like this probably would have been a really lean 90 minute film if they Yeah. Cut a this couple is things, a movie, tightened up some uh, lines. Yeah. This is a movie I started stopped and then picked up later again like because i felt like i got other stuff to do i'll finish this movie later it just didn't it didn't hold me so 
Yep. Uh, Although I will say it's not the worst movie Netflix has put out this year. <laughs> I mean, that's not a very high bar. <laughs> I was gonna say, have you seen all the movies Netflix has put out this year? Because I'm sure there's no. Are that's, some real that's more of a that's more of a, a Netflix cosmic... has a, at least at least the ones that I end up watching on Netflix. There's such a consistent mediocrity to Netflix's original slate, and mm. I don't want to like badmouth Netflix because I've been a member for like 16 years now since when they started doing the mail delivery, let alone the streaming. But like so many of their videos are just like their movies are just let's play to the algorithm. Let's make the movie that people will click and watch and we'll figure out the rest later. And it's like, oh, people like John David. They like thrillers. They like I Alicia Vikander. I, they like, I disagree. It feels like it's an algorithm machine I disagree. Sometimes. Now, maybe we're talking about two different things. Maybe. But I think it's important to point out that they have released some incredible films yes. around Oscar season. Yes. Like, yes. I, you know, I, I know you love Roma. Yeah. And um, uh, the Irishman certainly has its fans. Um, you know, they, they have put out some and they're working I, with I'm high certainly not. I'm not, certainly not suggesting so. they haven't had some really excellent masterpieces over the years. Uh, and some like huge duds as well. Sure. But I would say like 90% of their like, – because they come out with one or two movies every single week. Of the, let's say, 100 movies a year, I would say like 80 to 90 are like right down the middle. They're like not terrible. Right. Bird they're not box, fantastic. But they're, but they're very yeah. they're very watchable. The yeah. Tomorrow War, that was a, a Netflix movie, right? No, that was Prime. That was Amazon. Chris, that was Prime. That was Amazon. Okay. Yeah. It felt like a Netflix movie. <laughs> Man, all this just for a bit I was trying to do to make fun of Cosmic Sin. And yeah, that, that <laughs> all went on way too... Hey, remember I said that's the worst movie of all time? That oh, one that's that oh, right. Movie? Yes, yes, I do remember that now, yeah. Apparently you haven't watched it yet, otherwise uh, no. you definitely remember. No, I have not. Cosmic Sin. I, uh, that's my watch list. I, I've, I've officially listed it the worst movie ever made. Wow. Hey, oh, that's... And I recommend that, and it's even worse than Manos and Fe, you know, so... Wow, because that Manos is like my number two spot. Um, but yeah. I saw Cosmic Sin probably in my my Netflix recommended a, a whatever a couple months back, and I saw that Bruce Willis is on it. I'm like, no, every movie he does now is a cash grab. He's in it for probably six minutes, and the rest of the movie is terrible. And the stuff he's in is even worse because he doesn't care. Every every Bruce Willis movie in the last seven years. So you have seen the movie. Uh, not this, no, yeah, not this one. But I can probably guess because that is exactly yeah. how Andrew described it. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, that's that tracks. That I'm I'm going to watch it now though. No, I tell everybody. I tell everybody you have to watch Cosmic yes. Sin because I, if, if, the if it's the worst ever, ever, absolutely, it's the that worst. Is, that is yeah, a huge recommend for me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, I just you, don't have you that owe gene. it to yourself to watch just the like, worst movie ever. If it's ever bad, made. why would I? Why would I spend time? If some, on? if someone, if someone get, it's handed out, if someone handed you a drink, Aaron, and said, "This is the worst thing I've ever tasted," you have to be like. All right. What does it actually taste like? Nope. I want to see for myself. Nope. What is it actually? Nope. Don't have that part. That part does no. not exist in me. That's like, hmm. I better taste it since it's the worst thing ever. No. No. I would that, want to. I, I would, would throw that away. Assuming, assuming you wouldn't like get sick from it. It was like yeah. a you know the wor- world's weirdest pizza topping. Like yeah, I'm gonna give it a try. This is the worst no, pain I... you'll ever feel. Ah man, I, I the worst really. I better feel it. I better feel that pain. No. Yeah. No, I'm actually I'm with John in this one because no, I whenever know. I, I used to work at a hospital. Yeah, when I used to work at a hospital, somebody brought in some ghost peppers, and they're like, these are the hottest peppers in the world. It's the hottest Prove thing I've it. ever tasted. <laughs> and I'm like, I doubt it. 
And yeah, it, uh, it, it was. I went home early. <laughs> yeah, I went home early from work. It well, was so horrible. This is how great a movie Beckett is uh, that we would rather talk about Cosmic Sin uh, at the end of this review. Yeah, I, um, I guess that. I guess the big takeaway from Beckett is like, yeah, I guess if you have ninety minutes, check it out. But it's just it, disposable is a good word. Yeah, just sort of yeah. this like this baseline mediocrity that occasionally impresses. But yeah, it was it was all right. I think it's on the lower side of actually some of that like uh, mainstream entertainment you're talking about the Netflix puts like out. Anything, like anything Adam Sandler would do on Netflix is sort of what I'm talking about. That hubby Halloween right. stuff where it's just like, all right, whatever. You're just kind of phoning it in. It's fine. It's fun. Two hours, you'll forget it, and you'll be on with your life. This um, is kind of that experience for me. Like I would put Extraction above this. I would put even Bird Box above this. I like, like if Those at least have like yeah. interesting concepts and are fun. to. What, what was the Charlize one? Yeah. Uh, that I really liked, um, the Immortals uh, movie with Charlize and yeah, yeah, um, the old guard, the I think old that was guard, yeah, yeah. Like I would put that above yeah. this. Like it's just, it's just, this is just, yeah. If you've got ninety minutes, you're already subscribed to Netflix. Go for it. Enjoy some of the fun. What parts was that of Marky it, but... Mark movie that just came out that was really bad? Was that Netflix? It wasn't Stillwater. It was the other one. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I saw that one. Stillwater but, uh, is Mad Damon. Right. That's right. You're referring to not Palmer. That was the other one. <laughs> that was Timberlake. With, the, with a guy and a, a beard on the cover. Uh, oh, gosh. I forget. It seems like it's I'm like sorry. one, like a name or something. But uh, but yeah, anyhow. Uh, I think we've we finished our conversation. Infinite. <laughs> conversation about Beckett. Uh, infinite uh, is what uh, yeah. Andrew's talking about. Uh, let's move on. Before we head into the best ever challenge, though. A reminder that you can keep Sift Pop running as a Sift Pop member if you go to patreon.com slash Sift Pop. You can check out all the details there. Here's uh, just a couple of the fun things that we do for members. Uh, one is you get your own podcast feed uh, there at Patreon, and you just put that in whatever you listen to podcasts with, and there are no commercials in that podcast feed. And there are bonus episodes in that podcast feed. Uh, this week's bonus episode, we talked a little bit about the Venom Let There Be Carnage news, about that date getting changed and what our instincts and thoughts are on how, uh, if that will be the first domino to fall or if things are going to change. You can check out that conversation. Uh, there's also a monthly um, hangout uh, that I do with Sif Pop members uh, at a certain level. Um, so yeah, so check out the different levels, the different you know kind of fun stuff, fun gifts at each level and... Uh, and just know uh, when you support, when you become a Sif Pop member, that you're keeping this thing going. And we really appreciate it. Um, it helps us do what we do. So thank you for that. And again, you can check that out at patreon.com slash Pop. S-I-F-T-P-O-P. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, best quickly ever- want to address quickly want to address Phil's comment. Uh, I did say hubby Halloween because I'm a moron. It is Hubie Halloween. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring correction there. I, Quick I, you correction know, yeah. there. There are sometimes like... You know, Shuby, what a weird name. Close enough. <laughs> the only reason I ever bring attention to that stuff, like if one of us, you know, pronounces something weird or whatever, is because oh, I, 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 I would just point it out for myself because I think that that's a funny mistake. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I like being told like if I get something wrong, that kind of stuff. But, um, but I know like the audience will hear it, and so then it's like you know sometimes it needs to be addressed. But I just figured, ah, hubby Halloween, Hubie Halloween, we can go either way. Uh, yeah. We are doing for the best ever challenge, best ever posthumous. Uh, movies, so movies featuring somebody that most people would know. Now, this is a little bit, um, you know, uh, kind of by definition for the person, uh, but we'll try to do our best to uh, do movies where somebody that most of the audience would know uh, had passed away before the movies release. Uh, this comes from Alex Trebek showing up in uh, Free Guy as one of the cameos, as well as, and we didn't talk about this uh, show this week, but What If um, on uh, Disney Plus just debuted and uh, Chadwick Boseman is in uh, one of those episodes. So uh, just got me thinking about what are the best ever movies that feature a posthumous performance. So we'll go number five to number one. And uh, Andrew, why don't you start us off? What's your number five? If this one doesn't count, I do have an alternate. So okay, uh, I'm gonna go with Avengers Endgame. Stan Lee. Yeah, I didn't do any of the Stan Lee ones, but I get it, and I'm 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 fine counting it. I just I didn't count okay. personally. Stan I, Lee. I will allow it. Yeah. <laughs> did you do any like Stan I said, Lee's? I, ha- uh, I did not. Actually. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't I, I, I I stuck mostly to to like starring or, mm-hmm. or strong supporting yeah uh, so, roles yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the rest of mine definitely do fit that category. Yeah, but it was one of those things where, like, I was uh, like, you know what? He he's uh, the one above all. Yeah, I mean, when you talk when you talk about cameo, Stanley is collectively probably done a feature length movie when you add them all up. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, he's he's uh, um, he's second only to Matt Damon in the uh, the cameo verse. Matt so. Damon, yeah, it's it's a uh, we've said so much about Endgame, so I don't want to just tag on to repeating everything we've said, but yeah, Endgame. There you go, Avengers Endgame. Uh, I'll go next. My number five is maybe my biggest stretch in the will people know who this is category, but it's J.T. Walsh. Uh, which hey, I, think... I had him at number five, too. Oh, okay. Well, mine was Pleasantville. Uh, at Same. Number... Oh, nice. Well, I did not expect that. Um, now, he is so good. And definitely, yeah. uh, I, I like to call him a that guy. Like, hey, mm-hmm. it's that guy. You don't right. necessarily know the name, but you know the face. You know his performances. 
and one of his best is in his last year at Pleasantville. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I really love this movie, and I have since it came out. And I remember it wasn't well received uh, by a lot of people, at least in my world. I actually don't know in general how critics received it or audiences. I think it bombed. I think it didn't make its money back. Yeah, and I, I don't know why. It's such a strong film. It, it is. It's so strong thematically, message wise. It's so strong performance wise. It's clever. It's interesting. It uses and the its... visuals are really striking. Yeah, I mean, that it... black and white that comes to color mm-hmm. as they sort of wake up to the world. Really cool. And has a very similar theme to Free Guy. You know, the it idea does. of being in a manufactured environment and waking up in. Uh, figuring out what is real, what isn't, and what it means to have free will. Um, yeah, it's 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 a nice little connection to our movie this week, and also features um, a great performance from JT Walsh uh, after he had already passed on. So. Another one, which which was before JT had passed away, a couple other great performances from him. Uh, the movie with um, uh, what's his name. Uh, who, who plays Chris Pratt's dad in the Guardians of the Galaxy? Why can't I? Oh, think Kurt of it? Russell. You're Kurt thinking of Breakdown. In You're Breakdown, thinking of Breakdown. Breakdown. JT Walsh is fantastic in that, and he also yeah. has a two-minute one-scene cameo in Outbreak. JT Walsh is like a government employee who's like, "We cannot destroy oh, this yeah, American town yeah. unless yeah. we have all the available." It's just a single scene, but he sells it so good. And if yeah. you want to know how good of an actor J.T. Walsh is, just look up that one scene from Outbreak, and it's like I do feel bad him. because, like Aaron said, or actually I can't remember if it was Aaron or Johnson that he is the oh he's that guy, you know? Yeah, he, yeah. yeah. I remember him as that guy from uh, a few uh, a few good men. You remember yeah, he was he's the, in that too. Yeah, he he's the one who uh, offed himself after he gave up the evidence on uh, mm-hmm. Jack That's Nicholson. Right. That's right. Yeah, he. But I really do like him because he can play a really good villain, you know. And he was really good, you know, antagonistic character in Pleasantville. I like. I'm with you guys. I really like Pleasantville. I think it's a great movie. Right and underappreciated. Uh, that is our number five uh, for both John and me. Uh, Pleasantville and JT Walsh. Uh, so on to our number four is Andrew. What do you got at number four? This is where I have Chadwick Boseman and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I had that in honorable Good. mentions. Yeah. Likewise, yeah. honorable mentions for me. That great pick. Whew, such a great performance, not only by him. I think that he is giving a masterclass performance, you know. Probably his to. best. Probably a career. Yeah, best I would me. I would definitely agree that this is his best performance because this is this in Defy Bloods, even though in Defy Bloods he's more of a a character plot point as opposed to like a, a character within himself. I think that he's great in both of these movies. I can't remember if Defy Bloods was a posthumous movie. I don't no. think it was. I no, think I Ma think Rainey was the, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, he is great in this, but Viola Davis is transformative in mm-hmm. this movie. Like, it's hard to believe that that's really her. She she does such a great job of actually becoming, you know, Ma Rainey. Mm-hmm. And uh, his, uh, I always go back whenever, the first thing I think of whenever I think of this movie is actually Chadwick's uh, long, uh, his uh, long monologue about uh, how uh, he knows how to talk to the white man and mm-hmm. stuff like yeah, that. And that's it's just, a great oh, it gives you chills every single time you see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I now, agree. Do you think, Great uh, movie. Real quick, we don't need to get into a whole uh, this or that, but uh, Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor mm-hmm. at this year's Oscars over Chadwick. Do you think that was yeah. the correct call or no? I I think it's like yeah. I think it's like steak and lobster. Like it's it's hard to compare them and yeah. say one's really better than the other, but you have preferences and. 
that Hopkins performance is transcendent as well. Like it's just it's incredible work. So um, so if you're going straight on performances, uh, I think it's a, a fine call to give Hop, Hopkins the award yeah. uh, uh, over Bozeman. It would have been a fine call to give Bozeman the award over Hopkins too. But um, on an yeah. emotional level, this- of, of course, there's that thing that's like, oh, you know, posthumous awards are, are so meaningful and to us, they feel, you know, so meaningful to the family and those kind of things. So um, yeah. the, the bigger the bigger thing, which we all know, is just the mistake of relying on that <laughs> having act, and yeah. just uh we, we we talked about that during the we, show yeah that's right we were live <laughs> we were live during Awkward. that in case you don't know uh you can go back and watch our live reactions to that moment yeah. uh on youtube so yeah right. um uh you're number four your number, guys number four is Aaron. yeah so my number four is eye in the sky um this is uh alan rickman uh had passed away uh before this movie came out had he really yeah i didn't know that that this was a posthumous film i would have put this in my top five this is a great movie i really would have and another it's one pretty good an, an, under the radar i don't think a lot of people saw this one yeah, yeah yeah another one that it feels like more people could be aware of because it's just it's it's such a uh moral conundrum movie in a lot of ways yeah, which i such love a conundrum movie and what um, would you do? What would you do? You walk away going like, you know, what are the right decisions here? How do you make those? Um, great performances, obviously. Um, but yeah, Eye in the Sky is is my number four. Helen Mirren, so good in this movie. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I uh, love everybody in this movie. Jonathan, what's your number four? Paul Walker in Furious 7. Okay. I think uh, his his uh, dearly departed status, I think, is what elevated this movie to a billion and a half dollars. I think everyone was so curious. How are they going to do him justice? And I think mm-hmm. his performance is probably my favorite of his career. I remember after he died, I went back and watched pretty much all of his movies. Most of them are in the Furious uh, universe. Um, and he, he's not, like, by any means, like a master thespian. But I think he, he knew his wheelhouse, and he did it really well. And certainly the Brian O'Connor character. But there was something about this performance and the way they had to sort of pay tribute to him and keep the main structure of the plot intact that was generally impressive and, and especially in the final scene, like genuinely touching. Uh, and, and for me, definitely very emotional. So, yeah, that, that would be my fourth fourth pick. All right. Period seven nice. in at number four for John. Uh, time to go on to our number threes. Andrew, what's in at number three for you? This one might get trumped. I'm going to go with <clears throat> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Luke Perry. I had it in my honorable mentions. Mm. Um, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do love this movie, but I, it didn't quite make my top five. Yeah. Uh, unlike uh, most of the ones on everybody's list here, not a uh, a prime character, you know, more of, more of a, not cameo, but, you know, a lesser role, uh, but... Luke Perry is definitely a huge, huge name. Nine hundred two one zero was mm-hmm. like all everybody talked about when I was growing up. You know that was that was the show. Um, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know what? The more I watch this movie, the more it grows on me, and I start to like it more. My big pet peeve with the movie still stands that I think that this movie is too long. It it could have been cut down, but at the same time, there are moments in this movie that are drawn out to perfection like Mm -hmm. whenever brad pitt is going to see uh if his friend is okay in that house you know on the uh Mm -hmm. on the ranch 
And he's like, I'm going in. And you're like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen? Because I don't trust... It's that Tarantino. Scene, you're like, I can't I can't trust anything Tarantino does because he could do anything right now. I swear and, I swear he was possessed by the ghost of Hitchcock directing that scene. Like That, that scene is yeah. so Hitchcockian with its tension and the way it holds the audience. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Yep. Great movie. Totally agree. Had it my honorable mentions. Yep. Uh, my number three, I'm sure Andrew will trump this one. Uh, my number three is The Last Jedi, uh, Carrie Fisher, um, released after uh, Carrie Fisher's How'd you away. know? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. He doesn't like that film. <laughs> uh, we don't need to get into it. Uh, obviously, again, the disagreement um, that uh, apparently is going to plague the internet for uh, Ever? centuries <laughs> like it's just like such a polarizing movie um but hey I, i'll say i'll say something good about it it is easily the most beautiful Star Wars movie ever made. There you go. It is gorgeous. Um, and I like it for many more reasons than that that have been stated many times on this podcast. But yeah, I do really, really dig The Last Jedi. So it comes in at my number three. Uh, John, what do you got at number three? A movie I haven't seen in probably 20 years, but when I did see it last, uh, Small Soldiers really uh, impressed oh. me. I loved it as a kid, and it's Phil Hartman's final Phil picture. Phil Hartman, yeah. Uh, absolute uh, comedic genius from SNL and The Simpsons. And he started to dabble in, in cinema and, and at proper feature films. I don't think he ever had a starring role. He was always kind of like the second fiddle or the dad or the background character. He's in Jingle All the Way. He's in this. Sergeant Bilko. Yeah. And and he's he's I don't know that I don't remember him being like incredible in Small Soldiers, but I think he had such an incredible career and certainly taken from us way, way too early. Um, but Small Soldiers is such a fun movie where Christian yeah. Stewart uh not Stewart, uh Kirsten Dunst and um I don't know, some other young actor kid. They have these army toys that come to life and they're like, I I forget if they're they were had sentience before or what, but it's such no. a delightful movie. What happened was uh, they were supposed to be, you know, like a a, a, a talk response toy, you know, sort and they, of thing. But like, they ended gained, up putting military munitions chips in that's them. That's right. That's and they right. gained sentience. Yeah, but and, as a kid, it was such a cool concept. It was sort of yeah. right after. It was like a more realistic version of Toy Story. Like your toys are coming alive. It was and just also a couple years a, after Toy Story too. Yeah. It wasn't like uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I don't know, it, it, I remember it being really, really fun. And it was, Phil Hartman is such a funny guy. Small soldiers land somewhere between Toy Story and Chucky. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's definitely fair. the spectrum there. That is fair. Yeah. That is fair. Uh, all right, on to our number twos. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, what do you got at number two? This is where I have Oliver Reed in Gladiator. Mm. Nice pick. Yeah. Talk about I mean, it. I didn't. I didn't know if Oliver Reed was a you know kind of enough of a a known quantity. Um, but yeah, I think for I think that he's a big enough name that a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, know if I'm going to include is. JT Walsh, certainly we can include Oliver Reed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I don't think that Oliver Reed is oh that guy. You know, I think that Oliver Reed's a. I think he's a fairly known name, but um, I think that some of the best. CGI ever done was in Gladiator because he passed away halfway through filming mm-hmm. and they had to uh, I'm using the word deep fake but you know they had to face replace you know him mm-hmm. um and like a, like a good portion of the movie is like not him him not being there and I it's so unrecognizable like parts of this movie I can't tell 
Like, I really can't tell what parts are him and what parts aren't. Um, apparently him and Russell Crowe did not like each other at all on the filming of this movie. That's always fun. Uh, but I think Gladiator is one of the greatest theatrical achievements of all time. It's mm-hmm. one of the best movies ever. I agree. I, I really think Gladiator is amazing. It would have been in my top five if um, if I had decided to include it. So um, I do love that movie as well. Uh, yeah. Let's see. My number two is going to get trumped. Uh, this is where I have The Dark Knight. Uh, yeah. yeah. Trump, Trump, Trump. Yeah. I figured both of you might do that. Uh, so, John, what's Sorry. your Sorry. No-, no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> we, we all knew it was coming. We all knew Probably. it was yeah. coming. I'm uh, curious then what you'll have for number it, one, but my number two, <laughs> my number two is Spencer Tracy in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Trump. A a oh okay there you go okay so, there you go now 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 it is all known everything is <laughs> let's known. go ahead and let's go ahead and talk about uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Yeah, let's do that first. Um, I had it at number one, and you had it at number two, uh, John. Uh, I just saw this recently for the first time. I think. Not only is the movie incredible, Spencer Tracy is mind-blowing in this movie, Um, and it's such an honest, like, portrayal of somebody grappling with, if I can say it, white privilege. Back in the 60s, like, there's a real element of you know things well, this, that- this is one of the this is one of the first major motion pictures that took like the concept of civil rights and the race relations america was dealing with and literally brought it into the dining mm-hmm. room yeah and like how how does a, a mixed race couple deal with their parents meeting for the first time yeah. and mm-hmm. there's so much good tension there and, and spencer has like an absolutely all-star world-class career in cinema the man is, is the body of work is is almost next to no one besides maybe Bogart and Jimmy Stewart when you talk about like the 30s, mm-hmm. 40s, and 50s of cinema. And to, for this to be his last movie, it's one of his strongest as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, this is an easy pick for me. He's just been in so many great projects. Yeah. It was definitely in my honorable mentions. I love, love Sidney Portia. I think he's such an amazing he's actor. Really good I want to say that this movie was ahead of its time. But at the same Whoa, time, I wish that this movie had been made. You know, I'm glad that the movie was made in the time so it could start the conversation, you know? You know, it's, um, it's interesting you, you say that. And in many ways, like I was talking about white privilege, those kind of things, like those concepts are underneath here. But in many ways, it is almost a product of its time, too. If you watch this today, I don't know when the last time you watched it is, John, but if you watch this today after everything that we've been talking about the last couple of years and um, you know, obviously before that as well. I just mean that I watched it seven years ago. It is. Yeah, it's so, been a hot minute. It it's is been, that, that was pre Trump. So the world has changed a, a lot. Since a then. lot. <laughs> and, and honestly, though, I don't know that the world then was ready to hear some, uh, I say the world, what I mean is the white population. Uh, when I say that yeah. was, oh, was yeah, yeah, ready yeah. to understand some of the things that, that hopefully, they're ready to understand now because at that time it was about now I'm going to, I'm going to say all this and, and please give me the freedom to you know mess up or say things wrong or whatever, understand the context of what I'm saying, but it was about equality then more than understanding. So there's, mm. there's things going on in this movie that are just about, I wanted to be, tr- I want to be treated like a, a white man would in this situation, or like there should be no differences between us. Like the idea of colorblindness, that is what is being portrayed here. The idea of color should not matter, right? And, and, and we're f- learning these days that that might actually be the wrong approach. Correct. That's what I'm saying. So there, there's an evolution yeah. to understanding 
sure, yes, I think we all can agree color shouldn't matter, right? But it does. And so we have to wrestle with the idea that that the way that color has impacted people's lives in in uh, in different things and not just pretend like that doesn't exist. Um, so so, yeah, there has been an evolution on like racial theory, racial ideas, uh, those kind of things since this movie. And you can see some of that stuff here and go, OK, that was. Those were the seeds of starting to have a better understanding of race in America, specifically those kind of things. But but it, it in the same way it holds up, it also has moments that it's not that they don't hold up. They're just from a different time in a different, you know, saying a different thing. So um, but no matter that, no matter the case, it's still really powerful. And and, you know, that final and Catherine Hepburn, there's funny, like, there is, there's funny moments in this movie, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's also really humorous. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really good like dinner comedy with a very heavy subject at its core. But on your on your conversation, Aaron, I'm reminded of that uh I don't know if you call uh, call it a meme, but that image of the three people trying to watch a baseball game behind a fence, right? And the first mm-hmm. image, they're all on boxes of equal height and the short kid can't see the game and the tall kid has no problem. And like that is where everyone has the same exact playing field. Like, okay, that seems equal, but one person doesn't get a view at all. Okay. So if we change the game and we do sort of affirmative action, uh, then we put like the short person on a very tall box. So he has the same view. And then like the ideal, the the sort of utopia, the equality is just get rid of the fence. Right. So everyone can see no matter what. Yes. Like don't give someone an extra hand uh, to make them equal to someone else. Just get rid of the barrier. Mm-hmm. And I think we're only now in the last five years coming to terms with, oh yeah, maybe we maybe we should get rid of like the systemic, systemic issues in culture rather than just trying to bring black people up to where white people are in certain, mm-hmm. you know, measures. And it's like, right. does that make sense? Is that more racist to like give them, you know, d- you know act, pull out specific issues? Uh, and this movie was maybe one of the first ones that kind of started to touch on some of those ideals mm-hmm. of what, what yeah. it's like and why it's different. Yep. Yeah. That's my so anyhow, that's, that's why it's my number one. <laughs> I, I just, I had so much, I thought this movie just blew me away. It will, uh, it will certainly be on in my favorites of all time list when I readjust that at the end of the year. When did um, you, when did you see it? <coughs> I could look up the exact uh, date, but I know it was. <laughs> was I it kn- this year or was it like? It was this year. No, it was oh, definitely, okay, yeah. it was definitely this year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm not gonna be able to find it quickly. So. I, I remember when when I did what you're doing now, which is kind of go through the AFI top 100 and some mm-hmm. of the all-time American classics. Uh, I started that project in 2014, and this is one of like the first five movies that I knocked off my list of shame. And um, I finished that list only like a year ago. But guess who's coming to dinner yeah. was one of the first ones I checked out, and it, uh, it, it, holds it was up. it was almost exactly two months ago. It was June 11th uh, that I watched nice. this. So so yeah, there you go. Great right. film. Let's talk about The Dark Knight again. Um, so uh, this is my number two and you guys is number one. So go for it. I don't even know if we need to talk about it. I mean, nah. it, it, we, <laughs> yeah. do we need to? I mean, honestly, does anyone listening have an opinion contrary to Heath Ledger is fantastic in this film? Yeah. yeah. Is that that's not a hot, that's this. the coldest take there is. <laughs> I'll say this. Uh, uh, I will say that Heath Ledger gives the best live action Joker portrayal. Mm. But Joaquin Phoenix gave a better performance. So Heath Ledger is a better Joker, but Joaquin Phoenix had a better performance. I, I understand. I, I see the hair you're splitting, and I'm inclined to agree. It feel it feels like splitting hairs. It feels like we'll just just of give one I'm person splitting hairs. <laughs> now you said live <laughs> action. Though. Are, are you phenomenal. saying that Mark Mark Hamill or someone else is a better Joker? I think Mark Hamill's the best. I think he is Joker. Mark Hamill is Joker. Oh, that's well, that's scary. I mean, and that that's I mean, this is a debate as old as. 
Batman. So this goes back to the oh, 60s. Yeah. Like, who is the best yeah, Joker? There's George... been so many unique yeah. and varied takes on it. I, I think Heath's probably my favorite, but Jack Nicholson is a riot. It's one of those things where it, Joker is one of those characters where the it seems on paper it should be a simple uh, portrayal or a, a character to recreate. But the way that people have gone throughout the years to try and make the Joker more of a world uh, uh, changing performance, you know, like there's, like, there's a lot of latitude in the, the, how you interpret his motives and his exactly. style. And sometimes and then there's you know, Jared Leto. <laughs> I was just about to say, but everybody knows that Jared Leto's the goat when it comes to the Joker. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Well, not uh-huh. that, no, no, not it, that <laughs> you are being sarcastic is the right. Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay. Unless yeah. he's unless but, he's not using the abbreviation. Unless he's literally just saying he's saying he's a goat, a goat which is uh, which a is goat, a not goat, the goat, not the goat. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's one of those uh, it's one of those movies where you can't you can find so much beyond Heath Ledger being one of the giving one of the greatest performances of all time. Um, it's a cinematic masterpiece. Is really what it is. Yeah. Is it I mean, sweeter it's like, knowing it's like that Nolan knows how to make a movie or something? I don't know. Almost. Is it yeah. sweeter knowing that every fanboy doubted the casting of the cute kid from Ten Things I Hate About You? I think it's, <laughs> I think it's a good, just a good reminder. I love those stories because yeah. they're a good reminder to uh, this guy will never work. And quit it's like having hmm. any opinion ever about somebody <laughs> cast before you see their performance. Ever, just yeah. quit doing it. Quit, quit trying to predict yeah. who, you know if it's going to be a good performance or not. Unless it's Bruce and Willis and you know he's learned. turning it in. But uh, other than that. We learned because everybody's talking about Robert Pattinson as Batman to keep it in the DC, you know, conversation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people are talking about, oh, you're going to get the Twilight guy to play Batman. Don't judge it until you see it. I'm with John on this one. You're, and you, Aaron. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. he, he could be, he could be Batman. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's. Uh, honorable Great mentions. Film. Uh, have, I got a, I got a, yeah. I have a few. I just have a couple, so I'll do mine uh, first. Straight I wanted on. to mention Michael Jackson's "This Is It" uh, yeah, as one of my you. honorable mentions. This is a really good concert doc, and the way uh, it almost feels like I just remember watching it and feeling this immense sadness of, yeah, like it oh, really looks like this. It would have yeah, been awesome. It would have been incredible, and he was really putting his heart into it. And um, and that would have been sort of a comeback for him because he had mm-hmm. kind of had a rocky ten or so yeah, years, totally from the late nineties yeah. until that movie came out. Yeah. The 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 uh, the performance like the choreography section that they did for they don't really care about us mm-hmm. in that documentary is like one of my favorite things ever. The way that they had yeah. it all, it it would have been the spectacle to remember. Yeah, had it come to fruition. Yep, I agree. Yeah. So I wanted to mention Michael Jackson's "This Is It." Uh, Toy Story Four. Uh, Don Rickles uh, had Don passed Rickles. away before Toy Story Four came out. And then I wanted to mention Network. As well, uh, Peter Finch uh, passed away before Network was released, um, so oh. I wanted to mention that one too. Uh, what about you guys? Okay, I got three more. Sure. Uh, Scrooged and Ramsey passed away mm-hmm. in this one. Everybody remembers Anne Ramsey as the evil mom in Goonies, or and also throw Mama from the train. Yeah, no, she, uh, I she think, was a good character actor. She played that role very well, and not a lot of Ellen, Ellen. Yeah, no, no, I love. Great. I think she was hilarious. Yeah, um, a movie that a lot of people haven't seen, but I think is truly underrated, and that's The Drop with mm, James with Gandolfini Gandolfin, yeah. and Tom Hardy. 
Have you guys seen this one? I have. I, I don't remember a lot from it because I probably saw it when it came out six or seven years ago when he passed away. It's hard I'm to honestly it's not sure, long. Andrew. I'm honestly not sure if, if I've seen it. It's interesting because the book slash story that this is based off of is told from the perspective of the dog living in the... Uh, uh, and its perspective of its owner's life, you know, and the the way that the, it is uh, translated into the movie form of that, it's it's a lot darker and it's not what you expect. It's more in what you in more in line of what you would expect from a James Gandolfini movie, you mm-hmm. know. But I think it's a great movie with a great twist. It's uh, it's a it's. Uh, Whenever you have both Gandolfini and Tom Hardy, you know you're going to get good performances. And you do. You do. Yep. And the final one I'm going to mention, which was so close to making my top five, had you guys uh, said nay to Stan Lee, that would have been Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon. Mm. On my honorable mentions as well, which yeah. I only just watched, uh, I think, a month ago. Great. For the first time? Yeah. I think I think, I, oh, I think what- you would... We talked about it, and I went out and went and watched it. It was fantastic. I loved it. Oh, that's right. You, we did talk about it, yeah. And you you really liked it. You were pleasantly yeah. surprised, if I remember correctly. I, I Yeah, I think I was expecting more of a, a Chinese martial arts, and it was actually way more like Hollywood than I was expecting, a little more accessible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was totally prepared to read subtitles for two hours. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. It's in English. Great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which which was fine. I was, you know, nothing against the foreign films, but I was actually, it was not what I expected, but in a good way. Uh, honorable yeah. mention this from me. Terrible film, but uh, Raul Julia's performance in Street Fighter is <laughs> kind of fantastic. Uh, there's that great monologue where this this minor character, you know, pleads her heart out like, "You killed my village. You bombed everyone I know. You killed my entire family. Uh, for you, that was the worst of your life. For me, it was Tuesday." And yeah. it's like it's such a cold line. Like, damn! Like you just dropped it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Enter it's the Dragon, so- Bruce Lee. Uh, I also had Chadwick Boseman. My honorable mentions, and then Anton Yelchin in Star Trek Beyond. Sure, uh, another one of those. Like a great up and coming actor. He was only I think twenty seven or twenty eight when he died, and just like a freak accident. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. to see him in Star Trek, which is definitely one of his, I, I would say his absolute biggest uh, property. What everyone would know him for. To kind of go out on that was, I think, at least nice. He also was in uh, uh, Thoroughbreds. Thoroughbreds. I was just, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that Thoroughbreds. He was also in um, is worth a watch uh, too. Yeah, it's an interesting movie that relies heavily on the performances, but at the same time, you're intrigued the whole way through because you don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, that's one of those those films. Where or actors, I should say, with Anton, that like I really wanted to see more from him. I could tell like he was probably going to start getting more starring roles in the next few years. He had gotten a couple like indies under his belt. He had done the big blockbuster, uh, and then and then he died, which kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It definitely, definitely sucks. Yeah, um, I'm surprised none before. of us mentioned none of us mentioned um, Robin Williams though. I know he had at least one or two posthumous what, releases. What would his uh, posthumous release called one? Broadway. Yeah. There's a movie where he's driving in a car on the poster. See, I, I can't this, remember. So this is maybe this, that's why. The, yeah, the see, movie this is, wasn't. This is one of those things when you do the best ever challenge. At least we try to focus on the actual movies, right? Like we're trying to find the best movies, not necessarily the best performances or the best like actors or those kind of things. Yeah. So which is um, why I didn't include it on mine, but um, yeah. maybe as an honorable mention. Yeah. You're thinking of the movie Boulevard. Boulevard, not, not Broadway. Broadway. Yeah, I was yeah. real close. Uh, yeah, it was apparently it wasn't that great of a movie. And also, I think the big one that was like his very last one is the one that he did with uh, Joel McHale, uh, Mary 
freaking Christmas or something like that. Mm. It was like well, Joel, yeah. Joel McHale and Robin Williams are father now, and now son, and they actually, don't get the, along. The tail end of Robin's career was not particularly fantastic. But yeah. yeah, his Renaissance period. Best. Um, yeah. All right, let's get into our buried treasure. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture you want to let people know about? Uh, John, since you're the guest, you get to go last. I will go first. Um, I want to talk about Untold, The Malice at the Palace. Uh, this is a Whoa. documentary uh, that is on Netflix. Um, it's a breezy um, 70 minutes. Like it's, you know, like an hour and 10 minute uh, long doc about the night that uh, Meta World Peace, uh, who was Ron Artest at the time, and uh, Stephen Jackson and Jermaine O'Neal from the Indiana Pacers, uh, got into these stands and uh had some some scuffles with fans um <laughs> that's that's the nicest possible way you could put that there's honestly a nicer way and i could say that especially when it comes to steven jackson and jermaine o'neill they were trying to protect their friend and also trying to defend themselves in a hostile environment. Um, and that's what this this documentary uh, really is an eye opener on is what actually happened, you know, to hear it straight from them. Um, you know, Ben Wallace was kind of the fourth uh, the member of the Pistons that was involved in that scuffle. Obviously, for the the Pistons players, it wasn't as huge of a deal. None of them really went into the stands. Although Rashid kind of jumped up there and, and was trying to, you know, like help pull people out and stuff. But as yeah. as a huge Pistons fan, like you know, two thousand five uh, was right after our you know crazy exciting World Championship. You know, basically sweeping the Lakers in five games, if you can do that. Um, and it was, you know, so it was exciting as a, as a Pistons fan. And then the malice at the palace happened and it was just like that whole, uh, Pacers rivalry just, just immediately was gone because they lost world peace for the entire year. Uh, and they lost two of their other great players for like, uh, 60 games or something. I mean, it was something crazy. Maybe it was like 30 games. I can't remember. Still a ridiculous amount of the season. I, I only vaguely remember this fight when it happened. Uh, oh. if, if it had happened to like the Celtics, I probably would have been more in tune. It would have been on the local news, not just national. Uh, but I'll yeah. check this out. That sounds really interesting, it's, actually. It is really cool to go back and look at it and to, to really see how the narrative um, defined the experience and it became yeah. very quickly about NBA is full of, and this was the word that was used, a newscast after newscast after newscast, and I, I don't use it lightly, but thugs. Just, you know, that it become a, a, a you know, a, um, a, just that kind of league or whatever, and then immediately Stern is handing out these punishments, and it became very much about the mistakes the players made, which they did make mistakes, instead of about what really happened here, and, you know, um, I, I found this... Nobody's talking about the audience and how they antagonized right. the crap out of those players. Or, or the palace in how there should have been better security. And like, you yeah. know, like there were, there were no security officers in that scuffle. Like they were, they were just not present. And like, it, it's, it's a really fascinating look at one of the most, probably one of the scariest sports moments in history. Um, because a few things go differently and, you know, uh, there could be a, a dead fan or a dead player. And, you know, it's, it's one of the one of the security officers uh, who got in there late said it was so crazy he you know feared that his gun 
might have gotten grabbed or something like that. You know, like it's just mm-hmm. like it's one of those things where um, anyhow, huge recommend, huge, huge, huge recommend. I think it's hard for me to say because I am such a Pistons fan. But I think even if you're not an NBA fan, like even if you're not like into the league or anything, I still think there's some there's some real human stuff. Um, Meta World Peace talks about mental health in this quite a bit and where he was at at that time. And um, yeah, I just it's I don't know. It's it, it it really changed my thoughts on some things. And I love it when a documentary can do that. So check it out. It's called Untold Malice at the Palace. I shall. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, it's one of those. I think I've rewatched that whole you know, unfolding more times than any other sporting event in my life. Like watching it, and then I'm like, yeah, they were th- uh, like, whenever uh, Ron, was he Metal World Piece or was he? He Ron was Ron Artest at the it, time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But whenever he was laying down on the uh, on the table, you know, you know, like after like mm-hmm. the initial fight, people were throwing drinks at him and stuff. Well, and that that's is the when inciting he ran incident. Up. Yeah, the inciting yeah. incident was somebody threw a full um, beer at him. Uh, and hit him yeah. while he was on the, the scores table. Yeah. Which is, yeah. it's insane. I'm definitely going to watch it because, like I said, for as many times as I've watched just the actual event, hearing the inside scoop on it is going to be fascinating. And Steven Jackson is so compelling in this. Um, I could listen well, to him Steven talk. Jackson. I could listen to him <laughs> talk about anything. Like, it's just, yeah. Yeah, definitely check it out. Untold Mouse at the Palace. Uh, Andrew, what do you got? I'm going to go with the Vigima game. I'm going to go with Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Um, I love From Software games. And by that I mean that's the production company that makes them. They make uh, Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Bloodborne. Uh, this company is known for putting out genuinely the hardest games you can possibly imagine. Uh, you might have lost me there, but the rest of it, I saw, I was interested. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it's one of those where, like, you're going to die a thousand times before you get to the first boss. I think what I think and, what John is saying yeah, is that's I not appealing to him. I don't, yeah, I don't <laughs> know. No, and, and, I, and that's why I want to make sure I totally yeah. make people aware of what Otherwise, the it game sounds, they're getting it into. Otherwise, it sounds very interesting. Yeah, it's a... It's a it's a shinobi, which is a ninja in Japan, who is in charge of taking care of a uh, of a young lord, and uh, he has to take on pretty much an entire army all by himself. It's a uh, like obviously it's an incredibly hard game. Any game that From Software makes is incredibly hard. But the, I was gonna say they they they're the publisher that did Dark Souls, right? And that's sort of yeah. And Dark Souls, not easy. famously, insanely hard games. And that's what all their games are like. That Bloodborne is incredibly hard. I think Bloodborne is my favorite out of all the games. Uh, I will say, out of every single From Software game I've played, this is probably going to be my least favorite. But that doesn't mean I don't like it, because I love From Software games. Um, the reason why I love this whole Bloodborne a Dark Souls Sekiro franchise is because of the challenge perspective of it all. The fact that after, you know, you put in the hard work to, you know, try and memorize patterns, you know, and you really, it's not like Doom where you just run through with a minigun and you just blow a thousand demons away. You really got to focus and you feel a true sense of accomplishment whenever you actually defeat I, a I boss. certainly appreciate that. But I, I, I fear that some of those grinding 
pattern memorization uh, days yeah. are behind me. But that does sound awesome for people with yeah. more free time than me. <laughs> if if you don't like that kind of a uh, that play style, I would recommend watching somebody do a speed run. Hey, there you, you know, go. you know, because all the enjoyment, these, none of the work. Yeah, these games are beautiful. They are so gorgeous the way that they're you know especially this one i would say that uh uh what would it cinematically this is the most vibrant and beautiful a lot of you know whenever you have move or games called dark souls and bloodborne you can expect a very ominous you know brooding even kind of medieval gothic kind of you know element around you but this one is in daytime in feudal japan so you have these you know, landscapes that are just gorgeous to behold. I would, yeah, I think this is a uh, a strong recommend for me. If, if anything else, at least watch somebody do it and enjoy the spectacle. What uh, what platform are you playing on? I'm playing it on Xbox, but a lot of people play it on PlayStation. So it's available on both? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jonathan, what do you got? Uh, much like you, Aaron, I picked a short sports documentary oh. about a very brief moment that shaped an entire sport. Uh, the Greatest Race uh, came out on Peacock just in time for the Olympics. It shares a bunch of interviews from all eight of the principal participants in the 4 by 100 men's swim relay in the China 2008 Summer Olympics. What an incredible famously, race. What an incredible race. If you don't race. remember, this was the Summer Olympics where that Michael Phelps... much of a diff- oh. dis- difference. Th- this incredible. is the Summer Olympics where, where Michael Phelps was going for eight gold medals, and the 4x100 yeah. was the second of his eight. And it was also the only race where they weren't really favored to win, the Americans. And uh, Michael, I think, swam the second or third leg, and then Jason Lezak swam anchor. And he jumps into the pool with 100 meters to go, and he has, like, a good three seconds to catch up. or Like, some huge, unfathomable and, – and, and Dan Hicks and Rowdy Gaines on the call on NBC are like, oh, I don't think they're going to get it, Dan. I think this is going to be the silver medal for them. And, and like, the last 25 meters, the, the Frenchman, he, 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 starts, like, he, he starts tightening up. And Jason Lezak, it, it is I, – I watch it and I get chills every single time. I'm like, yeah. I don't know how he just did this, how he overtook, like, an entire, uh, you know, uh, person length. A full body pool, length. A full body length yeah. in, in just 20 meters. And he and they win by, uh, like, eight hundredths of a second. Michael Phelps flips out. He's just screaming on the diving board. I mean, that's the shot they use for like all promos yeah. for the Olympics, mm-hmm. you know, ever since. Yeah. Uh, so that's this documentary <laughs> gets interviews from every single person in the relay and both the French and American teams. And I love the way they structured the 69 minute film, which is they interview the first leg of each team first. Like, here's your history. Here's how you got into swimming. Here's your narrative that you brought into the race. Now let's show the first 45 seconds of the race from your perspective. Now that we know your background. Then we'll tell Michael Phelps' story for the second leg. So by the time you actually see the full race at the very end of the film, it's so much more meaningful because you know all the people, what they brought to it, what they were fighting for, what it meant to them individually. Um, and it just, it's, I, I, there's something about a good sports doc that like, it just gets you pumped up every time. I and I watched wait. this like night one of the Olympics two, three weeks ago. And I was like, yes, swimming, please go. <laughs> this is a beautiful buried treasure. I didn't know this existed and now I can't wait to watch it. So, uh, ah, it's yeah. super duper. That's, that's I awesome. I think that the Beijing Olympics, I don't know if you guys watch the Olympics as much as I do. I, I love think, the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I watch, I I watch it every single day, five, six hours. I had it on my office the whole time. Yeah. I think that the Beijing Olympics uh, was like the big spectacle Olympic of my lifetime. 
oh, that I can sure. really remember. I mean, I remember I, LA in '84, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember I Carl I Lewis in '96 in Atlanta, but yeah, having <laughs> having Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps both go for like this just yeah. greatness, this like yeah. unsurpassed, and they haven't. They still have world records that haven't been beat. They're Certainly, yeah. the top of respective track and swim. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, like the mark. The, these are like the marquee of Titans. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a it's it's crazy because like Tokyo, or I mean, not not Tokyo, but London. All I remember really from London was Katie Ledecky just being insanely fat in Simone Biles. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think I think Katie Ledecky is still waiting for the other swimmers to finish <laughs> because she won by such a huge margin. It was like, it was it was like nine seconds or something. I've yeah. rewatched the race this year actually, but yeah, it's, it's great to hear that you guys are also fans of Olympics. I think anyone listening, if you enjoy swimming, if you enjoy just good sports comeback moments, mm-hmm. there's something so exciting about coming back from behind in a three minute race. Like you, you don't have time to fall back and catch up when it's, when you're only in the water for like 45 seconds or so. And to this day, Lezak's final 100-meter split is the fastest any person has ever swam 100 meters in a pool. It doesn't count as a world record because it's a split off of an existing relay. So you kind yeah. of get a little bit of like a head start because you can time your jump to when your partner touches the wall. But he swam yeah. it in 46 flat, and like no one's even come close to that time. Yeah. And it's been 13 years. Yeah. So where Crazy can people race. find the greatest race at? I'm pretty sure it's on Peacock. I think that's how I saw it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah I do love the Olympics. I love that kind of stuff. There was uh, there were a couple um, buzzer beater wrestling matches in the Olympics for the U.S. this year that were I don't know if you saw those. Those were so I much saw fun. Both. They were yeah. phenomenal. Like, I didn't, you know you could have a buzzer beater in wrestling. What one of them was like? <laughs> they did. He needed two takedowns in the last like fifteen seconds and and got the last one with like yeah. point one on the the clock or whatever. It's just like. That kind of stuff is so much fun. I love the love, karate love one is the one that infuriates me, where the guy was too good that he got disqualified. That's oh, really I, I must have missed that. Yeah, that I didn't sounds... see that one. Oh, you didn't see that one? No, 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 no. So it's a karate match, and he knocks out his opponent with a head kick, and he gets disqualified because he hit him too hard. So the kick wasn't illegal. It just was. It wasn't. It was it too was, hard. It was just illegal because it did too much damage. Yeah. Wow. Sounds to me like he's and he good got at disqualified. <laughs> yeah. Sounds to me like it's, they need it, better if helmets. You, if you if you go on like YouTube or anybody who's talking about it, everybody is infuriated. Yeah, I like, can say, I can how can you get that. disqualified for being too good at your sport? So that is Untold Malice at the Palace. That is on Netflix. Uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, a uh, video game available for uh, <clears throat> your system, and the greatest race that we think is on Peacock. Well, it we did it. We did it, guys. We did a podcast. Uh, John ran, you know, swam the last leg and made it made it all happen, and <laughs> we come away with the win. So, congratulations to us. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you, buddy. Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. Thanks to Drew for putting together the visual content for the show. Big claps. And a big thank you to John Paula for hanging out with us again today. Love having you on, John. Um, Where would you like to send people this week? Uh, Might as well check out my YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash jogwheel. I might do a series of James Bond-related 
episodes leading oh, nice. up to the new movie coming out, if I can get out of my own way. But I might also be in the middle of a house move in September, so Ooh. cross your fingers, buckle up. It could be a couple of fun months. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it'll get pushed back to like Venom. Yeah, yeah. That, could, that could actually be really great for me because I have more time to work on. <laughs> Uh, thank you to our Sif Pop members for supporting what goes on here. Support starts at $3 a month. You get access yeah. to all the bonus episodes at a certain level and other perks at the different levels as well, including a monthly video hangout. You can find out all the details at patreon.com slash siftpop. Uh, lots of ways to help us out by leaving comments, ratings, or reviews at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can also get uh, you can also email us, feedback at siftpop.com if you have any questions or comments. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show, too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than timing a blind jump onto a moving vehicle from four stories up <laughs> and surviving it. The uh, blind jump is the, is the <laughs> trickiest part. Like, if you could see yeah. it coming, it's a little more believable. We will be back next week, probably with the protege and, uh, and something else we'll be reviewing as well. And we will see you then. Bye. 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 At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.